Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Can I just start by really um, lending my voice to the, the chorus of, of great appreciation to, to the mums, um, but, but really to the incredible women in, in the room, watching online, um, who, who do so much, like so much. And we are just so grateful for, I just think it's wonderful to be able to have a day where we can kind of, in, in whatever way we can, express our gratitude for the love, for the encouragement, for the hard work, um, for the never giving up of, of the mums. And you didn't even know giving up was an option, did you, mums? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just so grateful for, for all that you do and, and all that you are. So well done. And, and really, thank you very much for the invitation. I wasn't going to throw Matt under the bus and say that it was last minute, but it really is, thank you, it is a real privilege to be here and, and share with you, especially on Mother's Day. I was thinking, um, I have, my wife and I have been, been leading Maharingi Vineyard for, oi, it's way too long, but um, now, for, for a while now, and I, can, I remembered about five or six years ago, we had um, someone we kind of knew who, who hadn't, um, to come in and be a, a special guest speaker for Mother's Day. The thing I hadn't realized is they hadn't spoken for a long time and they had been piling up their messages within them for, for many, many years. And so, so we had about six really decent Mother's Day messages all rolled into one and it was just horrific. I mean, it was... Horrible. He was lovely, and what he was saying was good. If he stopped about an hour earlier, it would have been even better. But we had people who were like having to get up and go because they had lunch reservations, and people emailing me later saying their Mother's Day lunch was completely burnt in the oven, and and like it was bad. It really was bad. And so I was so happy to realize that it's in the afternoon, and I can speak to at least 6.30 before <laughs> anything happens. So we're sweet. Um, so really, I just, I just, whenever I have an opportunity to come and speak to somewhere, which isn't often a lot, um, to some, somewhere new, and kind of treat these things as kind of a bit of a one-off. I love to look into the liturgical calendar of the church, that is the church calendar, and, and kind of look and just see sort of where things are at, and maybe use that as a bit, a bit of a guide. And, and this Sunday um, is the fourth Sunday of Easter, and the actual scripture verses, what we're going to use today, is, is Acts 9, verses 36 to 43. So if you've got a Bible, get ready for that. I think we've got slides up there as well. But I just find it amazing to think that, that so all over the world at the moment, or as, as Sunday comes along, and whether it's in really small little home groups like Sandy was talking about, or, or in massive groups of people in big cathedrals, whether they are followers of Jesus who find themselves in the midst of war zones, or, or people like us who are, have the unbelievable privilege of meeting in a beautiful seaside peaceful town, the, the thought is that God's people all over the world are gathering together 
in, in opening up the scriptures and inviting Jesus to come and speak into their life as we do right now. So would you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for the incredible witness that you are to us of what it is to give ourselves to others, what it is to love, what it is to persevere. And God, we ask, or I ask this morning, that for each of us in this room, God, you would bless us with your presence, that you would encourage us through your word. Amen. Wonderful. So like I said, if you've got a Bible, or you can just read the screen, I'm assuming it's behind me, I'm just going to pick up in verse 36. So in, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Another translation says she was always doing kind things for others. About that time, she became sick and died. Bit of a plot twist there, you weren't expecting that. Um, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken to the upper room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees, and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. Open your eyes. Opening her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called the believers, especially the widows, and he presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa and for, and for some time with a tanner named Simon. Excuse me. I, um, I must confess I almost didn't do this message because growing up I had a very, very adversarial relationship with my brother. And one of the many things he used to call me other than Lyndon was Dorcas. And it wasn't as a compliment. So as we go on, I feel like I will continue to use Tabitha as I have no childhood traumatic memories associated with the name Tabitha. Um, isn't it so encouraging that scripture includes people like Tabitha? One, just the extraordinary um, fact that that as a woman in, in her day and age. And, and I just, I love that about scripture. I love, I love the way it, it invites us into, into people's lives and how even 2,000 years later, there are, there are aspects of Tabitha's life that we can grab hold of that will really speak to who we are and, and what, how we live. Whether we're man or woman, um, whether for any other reason why. But there is something there about it. One of the things that I particularly love about this story is really just the simplicity of it. Um, that the, the Bible scripture says nothing about Tabitha other than she's got a very unfortunate Greek version of her name, and 
that she does what? What were the two things that Scripture says? One, she was always doing kind things for, for others, and two, she was helping the poor. We can see a little bit further by a little bit earlier, later on in the story, that, that obviously some of that poor includes the widows, widows and, and probably orphans by, by connection. And if you know anything about Scripture, you know that, that widows and orphans in Scripture really represents of the time um, the lonely. We can probably translate that today to the lonely, the vulnerable, the needy. We're talking about a time in history where there was no social welfare. To be a woman widowed on her own was to be incredibly vulnerable. And you were at the, you were at the mercy of others' kindnesses. And, and it represents those at very high risk of, of abuse, the marginalized, um, and it also represents people who she, she dedicated her life to helping people who couldn't necessarily help her back. You know, it's, isn't it? It's, it's kind of lovely to do kind things for people that you know just maybe might do something kind back for you, eh? Like, you know, I've got dinner this time. Next time you kind of like can... Think about leaving your wallet at home, because you know they'll probably re return the favor. But there's something about this, about who she chose to give her life toward, that, that, that speaks to that. And our challenge in this scripture, our challenge based on Tabitha's life, is, is actually profoundly simple, isn't it? The last time I looked, you, you do not need a four-year degree to always do kind things for others. I'm sure a university would offer it if people paid to do it, but, but um, that's my issue with higher learning. But anyway, um, you know, as far as I know, you do not need to earn a six-figure salary to help the poor. You are never too young or never too old to give your life to doing kind things for others. You don't even have to feel 100% to do something kind for someone else. You don't be, have to be having a good hair day to, be, to do something good for someone. Your house doesn't have to be spotless to be kind to someone else. Your kids don't even have to be the picture of peace and harmony in order to do good or help the poor or do all kinds of good for someone else. Doing kind things, doing kind things and helping the poor it's surprising that, I just wrote down, isn't that an extraordinary reason to postpone death? Like, maybe I'm the only one that reads scripture that way, but it's really, you know, of all the people that could be raised from the dead, that was enough. Not that she didn't earn being raised from the dead, but obviously there was a big enough hole, she left a big enough hole that her death was postponed because of that. Why? I, um, why? 
And I think the reason why is we can see a little bit of is if we take a look at the other kind of main person in this portion of scripture, which is Peter. And what I love to do, what I've missed most about being in-person gatherings is I love to have a bit of interaction. So what do we know about Peter? It's not a rhetorical question. I'd like you to answer it. Call it out. What are some things that we know about Peter from scripture? Yep. Very much a loud mouth. I wrote, he's, he's one of those guys that spoke first and thought fourth. Like, <laughs> good one. What else? He did. So he was the guy that denied Jesus as well. What else? He's the one that got out of the boat, remember? For a brief moment, walked on water, and then sunk. Um, he was impassioned. He's one of those people that, like, like um, someone said, you know, just so, he, he was one of the, he was that guy, you know, like, oh, Peter, oh. You know, like, it would have been a nightmare to have him on staff. Like, you just never know what he would have said. Um, yeah, and yet, and yet what happened to that guy to become this guy? And, and we can see that by going back a little bit further into actual Peter's actions himself. And, and I want us to think about this. Who, who else in Scripture do we know that was kind of going along through a town when a couple of people interrupt and say, please, you've got to stop what you're doing and come with us. It's a really, really crucial, we need you. You know, who else, who else do we know in Scripture who, who walked into a room full of grieving people with a, with a dead body on the ground or on, on the bed? And, and who else cleared the room and, and knelt down and prayed? Who else took the hand of, of someone who was dead and they got up? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He, Peter was simply doing, Tabitha is simply doing what they saw Jesus do. Tabitha was living a life or lived a life doing good and being kind and caring for the poor, caring for, caring for um, the widows, the most vulnerable in her society, the most vulnerable, lonely, in desperate need people around her. Where, where else have we heard the invitation to live that way? Believe it or not, being kind was something that was spoken long before um, our prime minister set up. I just wrote Jacinda in my notes, but you guys have another Jacinda as well. So, you know, we kind of like, you've got two, we've, we've got one. Um, but Tabitha, Peter, you and me as disciples, we're invited to live the same profoundly simple way. It isn't that complicated. 
I recently did a, a five-day silent retreat. It's the kind of the second something that I want to do every year, um, and and this year I sort of was spending quite a bit of time just considering the uh, the the concept or the idea that. As, as a follower of Jesus, another way of putting that is we're apprentices of Jesus. Has anyone heard that before? Like, we're, we're an, an apprentice of Jesus. We, we do what it is he said. You know, we, we watch his life. And I was thinking a lot around that, and, and in, my, in my silent retreat, it was sort of something that one of the things that I was kind of spending quite a lot of mental, mental energy on. And then in this particular retreat is every day I had time with a spiritual um, director, and I was kind of talking about um, this idea, particularly an apprentice in the art, in, in, in the form of art. And, and for myself, one of the biggest disappointments of all of this COVID um, season has been very early on. At the very, very beginning, my wife and I were due to do seven weeks or eight weeks um, through Greece, Italy, and Turkey. And part of, our, um, part of the Italian leg of our, of our trip was to have, I had, I had written down quite a few um, places of interest that I wanted to go to, particularly looking at the art and the Italian Renaissance. And, and in, my, in my supervision uh, in this retreat, the, the lady just sort of revealed a bit, of, a bit about what it was to be an apprentice, particularly in that, in that time of, of the world, particularly artist, would, would invite an apprentice not just to learn the trade, but as an apprentice, you were invited into the household of the master, whether it was a painter or a sculptor. And, and as you were invited in, you, you, became, you knew them. You became like them. You spent time with them, whether it was learning the craft or just being with them. And the crazy thing about it was, is you didn't just do that. A lot of, the, a lot of those artworks were, were commissioned. And in order to keep up with the demand, is the masters would often start an artwork, start a picture, start a painting, create a bit of a vision, or, or even in, in musical, start the composition, would start it, and then hand it over for the, for, for, to the apprentices who would finish the work on behalf of the master. And the work was never their own. It was the work of the master, but finished by the apprentice. And that is what I think we can be invited into as apprentices of Jesus. I think that's what Peter was doing. That's what Tabitha was doing. They were simply finishing the work that their master had already started. For us tonight, this afternoon, that is our invitation, is we have had so much, and, and honestly, you guys, so much credit to you for so much of, of having to pivot and having to move and be adaptable and, and to change and to shift, even in venues like this, and, and all of the starting and stopping. Um, well done for being here. Well done for keeping going. And, and please keep going. Like, keep going, because it's so easy in the season we find ourselves to become overwhelmed by... Maybe the unfinished work of the master, like so much of the world that we thought was sorted, hasn't it become so aware that it's so not sorted? Like, poor man. 
And, and we can very easily, as apprentices of Jesus, become overwhelmed by how much isn't done. And yet my invitation to you, and, my, and I think the invitation of Tabitha and the invitation of Peter, is to just stick to the portion of the work of art that God has given in front of you. Do good to all kinds of people every day of your life. Care for the poor around you. And that can be the poor, the lonely. You know, some of the poorest people in my life have the biggest bank accounts. There's a real temptation to respond in the season we find ourselves in to just to pull back, just to shut down, to, to close in, to be overwhelmed by everything else. So just narrowing, narrowing in and pulling back. And I guess my invitation to us, to you, is to, is to keep painting. Do you know, keep working. Keep moving, keep following, keep doing the one thing that's in front of you today. Because it's not your work. It's the work of our master. And it's going to get finished. And you might as well be the apprentice who finishes the work in front of you. I was, um, let me see how we're going for time. Great. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. I'm right in there. Got my timer on. Um, I was driving here today, and, and I had given myself plenty of time because being late is one of my worst feelings. And, and I kind of drove the, the back way through, through um, Ariwa, and there was a, a road that I'd kind of driven past my very first job when I immigrated to New Zealand over 20 years ago. I was here in Ariwa, so I used to drive back and forth quite a bit. And, and I, I really just felt like to turn down this side road, which I've literally driven past hundreds and hundreds of times, and I've never turned down it. And so I, I turned down, to, down it, and then I kind of, but I did so feeling like God had told me to turn down it. And, and so I went down, kind of looking, thinking, oh, who knows, maybe, maybe like, there'll be a great house there or something, who knows. So I kind of drove down and, and then just stopped at the end of the cul-de-sac and kind of waited a minute. And I thought, oh, all right, so what's that all about? And then I just felt like God say, thank you for following the still small voice. Now carry on. All right. So carried on, and I knew I had tons of time. I knew Stanley wasn't be worried about whether or not I turned up or not. So, um, but I felt like during during worship um, that that was an invitation for some of you. That that the Father is asking you to be attentive to His still small voice, and whether or not you know or can immediately see why. Can you even just park that for a minute? You know, we're so, we so want to know why straight away. Um, and I just feel like there's, there's some people here that, 
that, yeah, you've kind of been going down a road for a really long time, and there's nothing wrong with the road or whatever, but, but I feel like maybe God's inviting you to just turn off for a minute. And so I guess that's my invitation for, for a bit of a ministry time. Do, I, do you need to come up and... All right, cool. Um, so uh, maybe some guys come up and play the a guitar or the piano because you can't respond to ministry time without some background music. Um, it just wouldn't work. We've had too much change. We can't go that far. But um, why don't we all stand? And if that's you this morning, if... I think one thing is, if you feel like you've kind of been hearing a bit of a still small voice or a gentle whisper to, um, to just go down a road that you have never gone down before, I'd love to just pray for you and, and just sort of, um, yeah, that. And the other thing is, is really just that sense of those of us who may be just really overwhelmed by how much of our world feels really unfinished. Like imagine that artwork, how much of what we thought was painted in and sorted is actually just a really scary blank canvas. And, and in seeing that and in recognizing it, it's actually been really demotivating. It's been really something that you just think, oh, what's the point? Um, if that's you this morning, I'd love to pray because I think what I think our enemy means to demotivate us and cause us to pull back is actually the very thing that the Spirit wants to breathe incredible life into your life, an incredible purpose that you were made for such a time as this, that actually this is the moment that you, you as an apprentice of Jesus are, are in the right place at the right time to paint the right portion of his masterpiece that only you were made to do. So those are our invitations. You can, um, you can respond. Um, now would be lovely by maybe just coming forward. And I'm sure myself and others would love to just pray and bless what it is the Spirit's already doing. So why don't you do that now? Great. Father, I thank you so much for the wonderful example we have in Scripture of a really ordinary people. Like Tabitha, doing something so simple as to dedicate her life to doing kind to uh, being kind to others and caring for the poor. God, I thank you for the example of Peter who, who with all his exuberance and all his kind of think uh, or acts or speak first and think way down the track, how, how in each of those people, God, there's something within them as your follower, as your apprentice that you can use, that you choose to use. That in ordinary people like that, you change the course of the world. 
God, I thank you that we are no different today as your followers. With all of our faults, with all of just the simplicity of life and just being ordinary people, God, I thank you that you still can and choose to use us in extraordinary ways, doing the simplest of things. I pray today, this Mother's Day, God, that you would encounter us. You would remind us that you are in the simple things. You are in the ordinary things. And that your spirit would breathe life into the ordinary of our days and we would see extraordinary things happen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.